When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bad, bad land. Jeffy? Oh, sorry. On tonight's <laughs> dad band land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> What's that so hard? You mother... Yes. where we talk about all the music we love and you love from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band. And boy, shit's breaking loose already tonight. We'll explain it all to you in a minute. <laughs> People are coming back from vacation. People are leaving for vacation. vacation. People are overworked. Nobody's tech is working. And some of our tech nobody's they won't, had you know what? any They sleep. won't know this. Nobody at home will know this. It will be seamless and wonderful and just pretend that it is because that's how it yes. is with us right now. Seamless That man and talking wonderful. right there is Kevin Burke. That's me. Uh, he's he's in the band with me. I'm the keyboardist. Kevin is our guitarist. We'll talk about the state of the band in a minute. But Kevin, uh, what song are we going to be breaking down on our breakdown section tonight? In our breakdown section, we'll be doing the song called Help by a, a lesser known British group that was popular in the 60s. And um, yeah, we'll talk about that. It's a fun one. People sing along. Everyone knows the word or at least a word of that song. And then uh, I think that that's a good crowd pleaser. Yeah. You right. can do it. You're not, you're not rambling at all. Clockwise from Kevin <laughs> is Mr. Jeffy Brandon, our chief technology officer. And, of course, it's going to be another edition of Jeffy's Jukebox tonight, as always, here <laughs> on Dan Van Land. Jeffy, what, what's the big question du jour for the jukebox? The question tonight in Jeffy's Jukebox, we're doing most underrated drummers. <laughs> No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. You should learn your own jukebox. You don't even know your own jukebox. Uh, no, it's it's not artists that have been spoiled by their fans either. No, no it's not. It, it's something else. On? <laughs> Never mind. We'll get to it when we get to it. Hey, it's and famous just next songs to- by bands we love for some reason that we don't like. 
That's exactly That's right. right. Well done, Jeff. <laughs> and you having got there. pulled that tooth out, let's go over <laughs> exactly. to Brian Frank, our chief vinyl officer, and also he's a real-life band manager. He was uh, recently at the Grammys, which is pretty exciting, and he's traveling yeah. all around yeah, the country. Geez. He's here with us tonight. And, Brian, what is the featured platter that matters in your house of wax? Tonight, we'll be discussing Duran Duran's second album, Rio. Yes, right. everybody. Was that so hard? No, exactly. Hey, <laughs> no. Brian, thank you for doing your homework. That's what it's that like was really when you well cut done. To the chase. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And you know, just because I feel like we need a little more chaos, we're introducing a new little feature tonight. This would be the exact wrong moment to introduce it, so I'm going to introduce <laughs> it. Hey, it's time for Kyle's needle drop. Kyle, give us one second of a song of a classic song. All right, here we go. Oh, that's running with the devil. Yep. Van Halen. And here's another one. That's ACDC. You shook me all night long. Yeah. Yep. All right. I win. We did it. <laughs> all right, one more. They come in threes. Oh, that's a white snake. Here, I, here go I go again, again by white snake. Yeah. All right, let's go. Let's get this thing moving. Was that with there I go again by white <laughs> yep. snake? Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> album version. We got some kicks version. to work out of that. Um, <laughs> let's get to talking about the band like we always do. Uh, Kevin, big doings this uh, previous weekend is the annual Kidchella Fest at my kids' elementary school took place. Um, yes. It's notable because Kidchella, like three or four years ago, is where our dad band got its start. All these kid bands play in the elementary school, and... Sometime a parent band plays, and that, that's how our dad band, before it died, began its life. That is, in fact, actually, it had a life prior to even you being there. There's always been a parent band that sort of morphed through, and then we were so massively awesome that the world demanded us outside of children's events, and so our tour got pretty huge until COVID forced us to shut it down. But we were dominating, <laughs> the, we were dominating like three or four square blocks in the valley, I felt pretty strong. Yeah, we ruled we with an it. iron fist like Toto did we, back in the day. What I want to point out is that I was there, my wife and I were the hosts for the lion's share of the music festival. My daughter was in a band where she played bass on Olivia Rodrigo's Good For You. And oh, great song. I think I lined up another guest for our podcast. Oh, because the nice. new principal of that school is a is a comedian here in Los Angeles. He's a really nice guy, and he's the principal. He runs the music festival, so he might have some insights. So I thought maybe we could bring the principal of that school here to our podcast. I'm I'm all I'm, I'm I think we'd need more teaching authority on our podcast. We haven't had that many. I'm, ho I'm hoping that he can also play an instrument because uh, we we could use that. <laughs> in our band. Are you trying to get our the band. band back together and get guests at the same time? <laughs> yes. We're trying to do everything at once. Yeah. This is a, this is a we're we're lining everybody up here. That's why I'm like, right. trying to get some bass players and guitarists. Yeah, we we still don't have anybody as of as of press time tonight. Uh, all right, so let's get straight to breakdown. Oh, breakdown. Unless you had something well, else you needed to say to me, Kevin. I I do. I just wanted to I was I was listening to music the other day and I wanted to apologize to you sort of publicly because I, I realized that we've been playing together for years. As you were pointing out, we've been playing together for a number of years now, and we played a lot of rock songs, a lot of classic rock songs, and you're a keyboard player, you're a piano player, and I know some of them didn't have major keyboard parts. Most I realized of them. we've Almost we've all never of them. Yeah, and the real one that bothers me is that we've never once played the final countdown by Europe. I feel like that has been a horrible <laughs> mistake 
that I want to apologize to you for that we never did it. We should have done it. Why have we and not done it? there goes my guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an apology that kind of uh, hurts at the same time. Yeah, I mean, because I look over and we're playing Stones or whatever, but I know in your brain it's like... No, never. That's ri- no, that's seriously. not the thing that's Why going you, on look, in my brain. You don't have to m- try to make me feel better about this. I know what's going on in your brain, and that's what all piano players are doing, and they want to play the final countdown. That really sounds like what a guitarist might think. But so thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that that apology. Uh, I suppose let's get yes. to breakdown because we're talking oh, okay. about a song that we played. Uh, I believe it's another song without a keyboard part. But this is no fault of your own. <laughs> it's the Beatles' help. And now, to be fair, we didn't play this out at a gig. We played this in at a gig. We had an ad hoc version of the band at my birthday party, we something did. like we three did. years ago, right before the uh, pandemic. And uh, we played the Beatles' help. We did play Help by the Beatles, which it's interesting because everyone loves the Beatles. Everyone knows the Beatles, but I'm actually surprised that not many Beatles songs get covered. I don't know. I don't exactly know why that is. It might be that people know the originals so well that oftentimes covers feel strange. My favorite Beatles songs are actually very difficult to cover, so there aren't many songs that you can kind of do. But Help is one of those that that you you can have three or four people singing along. Everyone else sings along. It's a pretty easy song. I don't know what you did during our performance of Help because there wasn't a piano part. What I also like about Help, what I also like about Help is that it, it's I didn't recognize this as a kid, but as an adult, it's a literal cry for help. It is it is a grown man crying for some sort of assistance. And I, I think that plays pretty well at someone's birthday party, you know, whenever they're getting getting on in years, you know, yeah. like they're yeah, just no, crying no, for help. Felt, it's an existential really crisis. To, just, to get that out. John Lennon in fact wrote that song about the uh about the way he was feeling with the whole Beatlemania thing. It was 1965. Yeah. He'd been through three, two years of that crap, and he wrote that song. He was getting fat. He suddenly had spectacles on. He just felt like his, he, he was in a downward spiral. He wrote most of that song. Paul McCartney wrote the, uh, wrote the counter melody. They argued right. over the years as to who wrote what about it. The thing about the song is that it's, it's right before they start writing the best songs of their career. Yeah, this it is, is it just is before they the, start the Rubber yeah. Soul sessions, and th- it's a great song. It's got some interesting chord changes for what it is, but uh, it it's not a song that's hard to cover in any way. No, no. In fact, to me, the, the the lyrics and the structure of it is the end of the first phase, the sort of Beatles' first phase of being a band that can play out publicly and songs that everyone could cover. After that, it starts getting more complex, a little more personal. But help, help is very personal, but still feels like a pop. It's like sneaking in a personal cry for help into a pop song, which I think is pretty clever and fun <laughs> it, it and is. great for birthdays. But playing it is a little bit frustrating, and I think this might be another reason why people don't even cover early Beatles stuff. For one, you have very few options. You have to hit the right chords at the right time. There are signature moments in, in help. It's that um, I'm feeling down. Dun, dun, dun. Right. But the other reason why it's not that much fun to play as a cover band is that every fucking person in that room, in that yard, in that bar, is singing. Yeah, and has to sing, actually. If you want the song to do <laughs> so well, they can't you, not ha- sing. you can't not <laughs> sing that song. Yeah, and then, yes. And so, some of them are singing the guitar part. Some of them are going, down, down, <laughs> down. Yes. Down, 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 that, down, down. That, that's totally true, and that is the fun part about I mean, that's the choice you make as a cover band, where you're playing songs, and you're like, I know everyone's going to sing this, and if they do sing it, I'm going to hate this song even more. 
but they do sing it, and then you end up sitting there enjoying it, enjoying the fact that they're enjoying it, but also hating the fact that they're enjoying it too. So it's like a complex <laughs> feeling I have about this song. It's the life of a bar band. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess you do want them singing along some of the time, and some of the time you want them to actually let the music be heard, which, by the way, is one of the reasons why the Beatles stopped playing live. Absolutely. Well, they also they could not hear a, themselves play. They didn't have equipment loud enough to make it happen. You know, it, uh, it's really funny. It's pretty I intense. think you, I'm sure you guys could relate. <laughs> Without yeah. having equipment well, or the fans? The fans. <laughs> he means the fans. Just so much crowd noise yeah. that so much it's drowning out. It was yeah. deafening. Along and yeah. it, you it guys, was, the cheers were deafening. It, if you'd seen us yeah. in our heyday, you would not be no, making totally. jokes about that. You we know what? And if you thought this podcast had fans, fans, you should have seen the two or three fans <laughs> that, that came to our gigs. And not only do we have fans, we have these sponsors. Dad Bandland will be right back. Woo! Dad Bandland has returned. We are back. What are we yes. talking about now? What are we talking about now? Well, it's time for us to enter or come into the same room as or nearby, be adjacent, adjacent to, a lean to Jeffy's jukebox. Let's Jeffy's uh, jukebox. Like, like the Fonz, I'm going to pound Jeffy's jukebox and see what comes out. Jeffy, <laughs> no. it burns us. <laughs> now we have a very interesting. Uh, Thing happening on Jeffy's Jukebox tonight in that this is a listener-supplied topic. One of our listeners found us on Twitter. His name is Kurt Sions. I'm going to say it's Sions, S-A-I-O-N-Z. Kurt, we love you. And Kurt wrote this. I'm one of the tens of listeners. Dad was in band. I programmed my chord trinity to do piano, organ, and horns for Crossfire. What about the opposite of guilty pleasures? Songs you are supposed to love but don't. For me, it's Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. And uh, me and Kevin replied to that. We always reply to our listeners, so keep we those do. comments coming. Um, yeah. Kevin, Kevin added an amendation. I was thinking similar, like famous songs by bands we love that for some reason we don't like. That was a, that was a way to keep it a little more yeah. positive, kind of the it same more, category. More positive. I think everybody's got their favorite bands, yet there's some hit that they just don't like that everyone seems to like and it always drives them crazy. I think that's a pretty common feeling. So I think I wanted to see what we all felt about that. Yep, absolutely. So we'll do that. And Kurt, thank you for the input. Uh, you win some dad band land swag as soon as we have some. And I'm sure we probably do by the time this uh, episode comes I'm out. I'm painting hey, a t-shirt right now. It's called Jeffy's Jukebox. So let's start with Jeffy Branion. All right. Yeah, well, this is one that, you know, is is quite popular but I just, I, it's a novelty song, and I never sit down to listen to it for pleasure. It's Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. It brings you, here's my question. I have a question that's going to be very direct. Does your dislike or not liking for Bohemian Rhapsody predate Wayne's World? Because I feel like that was a dividing line for a lot of people. Uh, no, that was, not, that was not a catalyst for me. Um, okay. So, so it predated uh, it, it, it? May, it, it, it uh, you know what? It, that may have sealed the deal for me. <laughs> okay. But, uh, well, which isn't <laughs> the song's fault, you know? You can't really blame nope. the song. But there is such a thing as, you know, something that is so beloved that it becomes tedious over time. And I would put this in it, that category. It, so was there a time before it became tedious that you thought, hey, that's a good song? Or has this always been sort of a, uh, that song's just been around me too long? Uh, I never had an attachment to it. I always recognize, uh, I always thought of it as a novelty song. 
I was definitely of the Wayne's World generation. Typical that loved structure, it for that and it, you know, it, it it was just like, and I listened to a lot of novelty music, so huh. I was like, I don't consider <laughs> it a novelty song, but I right. I hear you. I mean, right. this is this is what maybe, we're doing. I, I, I think I may be trivializing it, maybe. But <laughs> I, well, I love the song, but yeah. I hear you. We're all entitled to our opinions, as is Brian Frank. Oh, I was going to say, and Jeffy, are you a Queen fan? And it's just that yes. specific song is not Queen is never awesome. what you go to. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I would just never, like, if you gave me, a, you know, it just wouldn't be my top five or ten Queen songs. So yeah, my that. and that that yeah, album, by the way, that it comes from, songs. is festooned with novelty songs. Festooned. It's got festooned. it's got <laughs> seaside rendezvous. It's got um, uh, lazing on a Sunday afternoon. It's yeah. got so, that so weird ass the prophet again song. That Bohemian Rhapsody is not a novelty song. Yeah. So yeah, are maybe. you saying that Freddie Mercury was into like kitsch yeah. and cabaret? Yes. Was is that it? your point? Self aware no. was it camp? <laughs> was it camp? That's that's not my point. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying is that the same. I was talking to Adam, by the oh, okay. way. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, please, with his festooning. So, uh, you know, the the reason why I asked Jeffy is I think my my circumstances is somewhat similar. So, um, my song is uh, "Rocket Man" by Elton John. Oh, interesting. Ooh, I do so, love that song. Yeah. So, I I am an Elton John fan, and I have to say, I have come to enjoy it more, but I was never a fan of that song. And, you know, I had a, a particular friend in, in high school who, you know, loved Elton John. Elton John was like his favorite and tried so hard to convince me how great Rocket Man was. And it just, it didn't. And then there was one night where we're abusing various substances and <laughs> he would not let up on this thing. Like, and it was so serious to him how I could not accept that this was like the greatest song of all time. And honestly, there are other Elton John songs I like more, like what you're saying, Jeffy. And over time, I like it more. But in high school, I, I hated it because, again, it was just it's too much. Everybody was too into it. It was like, of course, that's your favorite Elton John song. Like, fuck that. Wow. That's that's yeah. that's so contrary in nature. Yes. And, and both of yes. you managed to pick songs that are sort of like icons of piano rock. So well done on that one. Yeah, interesting. Like the final <laughs> countdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, these are like songs that, that Adam should not play. <laughs> I, I have to say, Rocket Man, Rocket Man has a gorgeous melody to me. But you know what? It's fair. If this is a song you don't like, I, I'm sure I have ones that you're, you guys are going to hate too. Let's go to Kevin. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got a handful on it. But, I, um, but the one I want to start with, and I actually sent it over to... To uh, Kyle, so you maybe can cue it up. But uh, I love Led All Zeppelin. Right. Naturally, everyone loves Led Zeppelin. I feel like, but there's one Led Zeppelin song that literally destroys me every time it comes on, and I must turn it off or skip it or literally turn the album off. And that is let's this hear song. Let's do a needle drop. Song is of course 
No Quarter off of Houses of the Holy, which is a Led Zeppelin classic, which I find to be arguably the most boring song I've ever heard in my in my entire life. I Not only is that song boring, they actually slowed down, they recorded it, thought it was a little too up-tempo, and then slowed down the actual recording so everything drops like a whole step to make it even more boring. And uh, that's, that, that is a song that I simply... I simply cannot, I cannot, and, and then so as, as a kid, it's not like I had friends who were into Led Zeppelin. I mean, they were into Led Zeppelin, but no one could see them. They were long gone. I didn't know that it was a big hit. As I got older, I realized people loved that song, which I thought was a notoriously terrible Led Zeppelin song. So that's one of, that's one of the things that I can't. I, that's I just, a good one. That's a good one. I mean, it's also look, keyboard based, the person by the way. In this, the, <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> look, the person in this, um, in this, group that's most likely to take exception about somebody not liking a Led Zeppelin song is you. Yeah, no, no, totally. I mean, this is, Led Zeppelin is, I feel about them like I do about, like, certain family members. You love them no matter what, even when they're ridiculous and no quarter. Is that why you is, love Kiss? I, I do not love Kiss. Don't even suggest such a thing to me. I love talking about Kiss, <laughs> but I don't love Kiss. Um, there's a difference. Right, let's, let's keep it going. Um, Here's one, and this is this one. It might stab straight at Kevin's heart because, as listeners know, Kevin and I are two of the biggest Prince fans that you'll ever find. And Prince has a hit, a bona fide Billboard charting hit. Oh that boy! I skip past. Interesting. <laughs> when I and listen to the I, album that it's I, on, and it's the I title one... track. It's the oh. title track of an album. Oh, I, I have a Prince song on my list, but it's not a title track. What is this? Here going it to comes. Be? It's Diamonds and Pearls. Interesting. I can't I can't abide diamonds and pearls. Is that a needle drop? Yeah. No, I I do love me some diamonds and pearls. I got to say. I I hate that song. I it's <laughs> just <laughs> something that. <clears throat> Something about the way that the, the keyboard and the bass mirror the vocal that's going on that's supposed yep. to be really cute, do, 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 I do, find do. really dull. Love it. He's actually singing beneath his range a couple of times. It would never go away. I just feel bad for him. I'm like, what? smoke another cigarette if you want to hit that note. And um, then you get to the chorus, and it's, it's just mawkish. Would you be a happy boy or a girl? You know what? Well, I'm gonna, can I add one? Can I add one thing to it too? There's a part that drives me crazy about that song because Rosie Gaines and her backing vocal sings "boy oi a girl" instead of "boy or a girl" a number of times, and it literally drives me insane. She <laughs> I says, love Boy Oi so girl. hard, and yeah. I I don't I can't even really adequately sum up why that why that is. I'm gonna throw out one more because it's on Brian's shirt tonight. Let's take a picture of that for the crowd. All right, um, big hit from Outkast's biggest album, "Roses." Don't like that song. I skip it. Interesting. I'm not interested in, in, in the way it sounds. I think the production is kind of thin and weak, and roses really smell like poo-poo. Do they? Can I, can I add one to this? To this real yeah, quick? go ahead. And this, ahead. Is not, this is not one of the situations where I hate a song. It's a situation in which I am stunned by its success, and that is, like, I, w I liked Lenny Kravitz's first few albums, you know, and I sort of lost interest, and then he was... He made his fifth record, which didn't do so well. And then he did that cover of American Woman, which I found so boring. And I thought, this oh, guy's career is over. 
And I thought, this guy, he's like, he's done. There's no one could possibly like this. Turned out to rejuvenate his entire career. Yeah. He got the greatest hits out of it. It was a massive success for him. And so that's why you shouldn't ask me to pick hit songs. Because I, I would never have guessed that would be the song that people associate with him. You probably the most. You kind of mad. Yeah, I'm a little yeah. frustrated at my own inability <laughs> to understand what people like. No, no, no. But, I mean, but, but no, Brian, you, you agree sound, with it? No, you sound mad about Lenny Kravitz. I mean, yeah, well, you sound personally angry at Lenny. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I, I had high hopes. I had I Lenny Kravitz is a gr- I like Lenny a lot, especially live. But he's a greatest hits guy. Like there's there's like two or three songs on every album that are great. That's a fair point. There's really only maybe one album that I think is great top to bottom, and and I wish more for him. You know, I think he's a smart guy who makes good music. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I that I would say that that song is probably the Lenny Kravitz song that I would skip over and like the least. Uh, thank you. His cover of American Woman, it's boring. Who, who wants yeah, to throw any others into the hit. pot? Anybody got I any have others? Something Jeffy? controversial. <clears throat> Go ahead. Yesterday by the Beatles. Oof. I, I, could, wow. I could see that, actually. I understand because John Lennon hated yesterday so much. I can I see mean, that. <laughs> it's kind of a dirge. Sure. Right? And um, I don't know if it's that, still the case, but as of about 10 years ago, fun fact about yesterday. The most covered song in music history. Interesting. And you were saying nobody covered the Beatles. Yeah, well, well, that was you know that's covered by a we're lot. We're talking of about string bands. That's covered by a lot of string quartets and in lobbies and hotels. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeffy, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. It's a real. It's right on the edge of of, of cloying and beautiful. I and, mean, I, and depending on how you're hearing it. And the thing is, I like. I don't mind cloying. I don't mind beautiful. Uh, and I don't mind, frankly, I don't mind dirges. But, like, I don't know, the particular combination of subject matter and key, it's just a bummer. And I don't mind bummer music. Right. I don't know Maybe it Maybe it's tied to its, it's success, fine. too, because that could be an album track, but sometimes it's the most played Beatles song and the most covered song, so there's some saying something about that song. It's it's resonating with people in a way it's that no I'm not man. quite getting. It's not interesting. <laughs> it's no interesting. Here's one. All I Need by Radiohead. People love that song. That song is always on, the, on, on their playlist. It's from, uh, not their best album, I think it's from In Rainbows. That song, I'm bored 10 minutes into it and I think it's 45 <laughs> minutes long <laughs> but that makes I, sense I mean I know they're they're a revered band I'm almost glad and this is this is kind of brings up some of the schadenfreude that Kevin was just sharing I'm almost glad that they're becoming less cool because their their fan base is aging I feel like they deserve it. It happens. It happens. <laughs> yeah, we were saying it's happened to U2. It's happened to REM. It happens. Yeah, and we're watching and now, it happen yeah, to Radiohead. Yeah, it totally happened to REM. And now it's happening a little bit to Radiohead. And Radiohead has a couple of albums. I think it was Brian who said that, he, or maybe it was Kevin who said that they thought he had, they had three perfect albums Brian. in a row. It was Brian. In Rainbows was not one of those albums. No, it was not. Because no. by In Rainbows, they're starting to uh, you know, disappear up, up the crevasse of hooting and beeping and booping. And then and, and all I need, I think, is a... <laughs> I, I think the, the, the common theme in all of these so far has been the keyboard. Uh, you know what? Really? <laughs> Coincidence? Yeah. I mean, that just Yesterday apropos, has no keyboards. Nothing. Uh, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just, Yesterday I'm just has saying no too. keyboards. You know it does? Final Countdown by Europe. No, yeah, that, that's true. And no one would and, ever skip over that song. No, American, song American Woman and Yesterday both don't have keyboards. Uh, American Woman? 
I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure I made it to the end of it. Maybe there's a keyboard part at the end of it. I, ha- I will defend these keyboards. What else you got, Kevin? You got another? I feel like you got another. Uh, I, have, I, I mean, I really have one more, and this is this is kind of the album track of, of Wherever I May Roam by Metallica. I bought the record. It came on with its weird sort of strange sitar opening, and I thought, this this is an album track that no one will ever like. It ended up becoming a massive Metallica hit that gets played in every show after that, and I can't process that song. It just seems middling, uninteresting, kind of cheesy. It's, Kyle uh, agrees. Yeah, oh, Kyle's like, on board with it. I, I like that song. I think, uh, you know, they came up with a better version of it when they covered uh, Bob Seger, Turn the right. Page. But I agree. You know, I, no, still I, a lyric, good song. Lyrically, I get it. They're on tour for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I guess it was that weird sitar. <laughs> 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 and I was like, come on, guys. And I, love, <laughs> and I love Metallica, but that was the first time I was like, yeah, this one's not going to be a hit. Turn out to be a huge hit. Again, don't ask for my. I, I didn't think Roses was going to be a hit off of uh, off of uh, the Love Below or what the, the double album, and there it yeah. was, huge hit. Yeah, no, we we. This is why we're not record producers or A and R people. That's uh, yeah. why we do. Although a I think they're but... wrong more than they're right as well. <laughs> I'm going to throw out one more. I'm going to throw right. one more legend out. It's interesting to me because I love the song. I would be sad if it didn't exist. It's iconic, and you couldn't have the album that it's from and titled for uh, without it. And yet, at no point do I want to listen all the way through Born in the USA. Interesting. I love that ringing mm. intro. I love that hard snare. And then I'm ready for just about any song else. That's interesting. You should, um, I respect your opinion, but it might, you might have a wrong opinion on this matter. Did it occur to you? I, I, yeah, I, I hate to give you a little whiplash on this, but I have one last one. Oh, uh, yeah? And it's... My Humps by Black Eyed Peas. No! Get out! Wait, 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 you're, wait, you're defending My Humps yet you were like born in the USA is not quite that good for me? Wait, My Humps? My no, humps. but not Your Humps. Your Humps is a different song. My Humps was Adam's wedding song. Wait, Kyle wants to do a needle drop. What you gonna do with all that junk? All that junk inside your trunk. I'ma get, 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 get you drunk. Get you love drunk off my hump. My hump, my hump. My hump, my hump, my hump. My hump, my hump, my hump. My lovely little lumps. Check it out. I drive these fuckers crazy. I do it. Wait, so, <laughs> given the framework, you're a huge Black Eyed Peas fan. And and this was the one song you don't like. Yeah, name name five songs, <laughs> Black Eyed Peas songs you like better than yes. my humps, Jeffy. Yes. <laughs> Jeffy, Jeffy just turned off his camera. He has left us. He has left the building. <laughs> that was not a joke for radio, folks. Oh, yes. but it was a good joke. Was a good All joke. right. Well, I guess I guess we wound our way to the end of this segment. You know what? <laughs> this topic is a little bit of a bummer. This show is about yeah. positivity. It, it is. It and is. But you know, talking what? about songs that we don't like kind of kind of bums me out. I I agree, but I also feel like occasionally we just need to sort of admit our feelings. You know, because I think you're wrong about burning the <laughs> USA, but I respect the fact that you can't work your way through that there's something going on there which what, is, what am i wrong about my opinion was i don't want to hear it all the way through no, am I'm i saying, wrong my, that i that i want to hear it all the way through i'm I, you have just confused wow. me wow anyhow what, what i'm getting at <laughs> we're getting salty tonight yeah, yeah we, we yeah, yes no yeah, no need for <laughs> saltiness yeah. what i'm saying is that we're working our way through it i would love to love all these songs at yeah. the end of the day i wish i loved all these songs more than i do and maybe someday i will you know, we got hopefully we have a lot of years ahead of us to discover new music or rediscover the music we don't like. 
That is the way to put a button on this segment and bring us all back together. I raise my glass to Kevin Burke, my erstwhile guitarist. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. And Dad Band Man will be back after this. Dead Band Land has returned, and wow, Kevin, thank you for kind of pulling us out of a tailspin there. We set Ooh. up a segment under which conditions one of us was going to name a song that we didn't like that the other three did, and then the next person would do so as well. So it was it was kind of an interesting airing of grievances, I thought. Yeah, we, we were on the edge of getting negative, but, but it's very easy to get negative, and we live in a world where the internet is just nonstop negativity, and so I don't want to be part of that. You don't want to be part of that. No. We're celebrating here. Yeah. But that being said, Let's, that doesn't mean we like everything. That means we have to sometimes work through things, and we want to like everything if we can. And Brian yeah. likes everything. Brian yeah. says he likes everything, yeah, but we've seen uh, some cracks in this facade here, Brian. We have listen, definitely I, seen I, it. I, I like a lot, but really I think as I'm learning more and more about your guys' band, I think I really dislike it. With <laughs> <laughs> the, band, like the, the band, it the band itself or the music played or the music we played? <laughs> I, I just think the whole notion of the dad band. Yeah, I think oh, I gotta at, go. at this point, the band is just notional. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're, we're, no. we're, we're, by, the time, we're by the time this podcast is out, we'll be touring again. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we're, 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 I look at this. We're in the Jimmy Crespo Aerosmith era right now, is where we're at. We're working our way back to rising like a phoenix from the ashes. So you, you don't oh, lose faith, hmm. Brian, Frank. Yeah, I, I won't. I won't. It's a night in the ruts. This is a night in the That's right. Here we go. Now that we've returned to positivity, let's go rip Duran Duran a new asshole. It's time for Brian's House of Wax. All right. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Brian, what do you have for us in your House of Wax this evening? Uh, so tonight I'm I'm happy to dust off my original UK pressing Whoa. of of oh. Duran Duran's Rio, and uh, it's important to note that mm. from the top. Yes, this is a, I a have good questions already, so I can't wait to get yes. there. Yes. So um, this album was first released on May 10th, 1982, uh, which means it's uh, turning 40 right about the time of this recording, um, and uh, it hit number two in the UK in its second week out. And eventually it hit number one in Canada, number two in New Zealand, number three in Australia, number six in America, and number nine in Sweden. And it's really, this is a a different one. I want to take a a different take on talking about this record because it's important to talk about the chronology of this, which I think is interesting for the historical context because I don't think something like this could ever happen today. And also uh, for me personally, so I'll I'll give the personal part first, which is, so my aunt, my mom's sister uh, moved to England. She lived in England when I was a child and I was into music and records. So she would send me records from England. And so for example, my Kiss Destroyer was actually red vinyl, which is different from everyone else's because that was the record in England, which was, how I figured out you could make records in different colors, which is pretty cool. You were um, impressed by that, Kevin. I was. I was genuinely impressed. Because yeah. you love Kiss. <laughs> I love records and talking about Boom. Kiss. <laughs> but, uh, but, but also, I would get these records that were different from records that other people had. Like, I got the Wham! album, right. which was different, and I got this Duran Duran record, um, 
because it came out May 10th, 1982 around the world, but it didn't really do anything in America when it was released. Whereas in England, it was a big hit. So my aunt sent it to me and I had it. So let's talk about how this all went down. So the album uh, was recorded in January and February of 1982 at uh, George Martin's Air Studios in, in London. And uh, what had happened was in November, there was a stopgap single that was released after the success of Girls on Film, that single from the previous album called uh, My Own Way. And uh, the song came out. Uh, it was a hit, number, hit number 14 in the UK. Um, and then the band went in to record their new album in January. So they were coming off some success. Uh, ironically enough, that song, My Own Way, the band has essentially disavowed it in the intervening years. Oh. And they <laughs> actually... That, that's not yeah, and, Well, here's the thing is they re-recorded it for this album, Rio, and they changed lyrics, different instrumentation, different tempo because they didn't like the single. So anyway... The record comes on, so on May 4th, 1982, Hungry Like the Wolf was released in the UK. And then the album came out the following week. Hungry Like the Wolf peaked at number five in the UK uh, in mid-June. On June 7th, Hungry Like the Wolf was released in America, went nowhere. Uh, sometime over the summer, MTV started playing the video a little bit. So still, so June... Uh, the the singles in America, but nothing's happening. August 9th, 1982, the UK moved on to the next single, Save a Prayer, which became their biggest hit at the time, hit number two, held off only by Survivor's Eye of the Tiger. Uh, but again, that song, nothing's happening in America. Now they've had two hits in the UK. Then later that month, Hungry Like the Wolf starts squeeze, squeaking in in the U.S. rock charts. One month after that, September 82, so think about this. The record's been out in the U.K. May, June, July, August, September, five months. An EP was released, and this EP had remixes by a guy named David Kirschenbaum. And different countries had different versions of this, but the U.S.-Canada one uh, had remixes of Hungry Like the Wolf, Girls on Film, which was not from this album. Right. Hold, hold back the rain and my own way. Right. And the response was so positive that they had him remix uh, the song Rio and Lonely in Your Nightmare. So at this point, Hungry Like the Wolf starts happening on MTV. And this is one of the early examples of how MTV really made a band before right. radio. Um, then in November, Rio was released in the UK as a single, the song, and hit number nine, Still in the U.S., nothing's going on, really. <laughs> then November 1982, they actually re-released the album in the U.S. with all of the remix versions that I'm talking about. And then the stuff started kicking off. So December 3rd, 1982, Hungry Like the Wolf U.S. single was released. Christmas 1982, Hungry Like the Wolf finally cracked the charts at number 77, and then the following March, 83, it hit number three on the U.S., on the Hot 100, number one on the rock chart. Then that same month, Rio was finally released as a single in the U.S. It hit number 14. And Save a Prayer was finally released as a single in America January 1985. Oh, geez. And hit yeah. number 16. 
So my point in that whole boring chronology is this. I, oh, it was. I find, I find this fascinating, and I needed to know yeah. this because I have questions. Yeah. So think about, A, that long period of time that happened, and B, something that could not happen in the era of the internet, separating territories. Right. By months. Like, and, the, yeah, yeah. The UK Damn. had a completely different you know, timeline scenario, different songs happening at different times for America. And I was a nine-year-old child completely confused because <laughs> I had this record and the song that was playing on the radio was not the song I had on. And I'd like hear it on the radio and I'd be like, oh yeah, I know that song. And then I'd play my record. I'd be like, this doesn't sound... It was like a little this. different. I just had to ask this question very quick. Because if you had the record, say I did in the, in the 80s, the American record, yeah. it was the remixes. Yeah. Yet, from what I understand, the CD I've been listening to for the last 25 years has been the UK version, right? Has the, have these American versions been yeah. gone? If you didn't have yeah, the vinyl? So, where are yeah, the American so, versions? Yeah, I can so tell now, you. Oh, go ahead. Uh, the, the remastered version of Rio from 2009, if you were to listen to that on any of your big streaming services, you're getting the UK album for those first, what is it, 9 or 10 or 11? Oh, the, uh, the deluxe whatever. version? Sure. Or yes, and, and the next three or four tracks after that, or five or six tracks actually, are the US version. So you can still, you can once again hear the US album version. I believe it's been uh, remastered as well, but... Here's something interesting that but not I, I want to say 2009. about and, Not till 2009. Not till 2009 did I come out. And yeah, okay. correct. And in 2014, there's a vinyl version that has the both versions, which of course I had to buy. Sure, though. of course. Because of course you know. I never had because I never had the U.S. version of the record. <laughs> well, here, here's here's what I want to say about it. It definitely sounds a little different. I definitely noticed some differences between my you know when I would hear it on CD later and the record I got when I got it. But I think its success in the United States at the time they all thought that this guy was a genius and he'd cracked some kind of code for how American audiences want to hear something a little more different than British audiences do. I think it has 10% to do with that at most, and 90% to do with something that we really haven't talked about as much as we should on this show, which is MTV. Absolutely. Yes. MTV was ever, I was a fan of Hungry Like the Wolf from the second that video started playing in the summer of 82. I was a, I was a young teen, an aspirational teen, <laughs> and Duran Duran was, was the leader. They were leading a movement that would yeah. become, you know, in England, that movement was established. In America, it was just arriving. In England, they called it the New Romantics. It was something different here. Um, but they were... Miami Vice before Miami Vice, but right. cooler. They were sex and style and sheen, and everybody knew that there was something. And Jeffy will back well, adding me up on to, this uh, one. And I, will, I can add a to that bit. as as a as a third grader at the time. They were the one of the first bands that, to me, the '80s had started. This idea yes. that I was like, oh my gosh. This is no longer my parents' music. This is not their Temptations or Fifth Dimension or something, which I also love. And they love. were naughty. But there they was were something like, about them that well, here's we didn't an, want our yeah. parents to hear it. Here, but also, yeah. you know what? It, that that Hungry Like a Wolf, if I'm going to pick one section of any song that encapsulates the entire 80s to me, it's that opening bars of that. The guitar part with the keyboard part that plays right there. <laughs> That is the opening of Nevermind of the 80s. Do you know what I mean? Like, that I is the, that is the that part they... that, is, that, that sounds like wait, the Wait, wait, Jeffy, what were you going to say? 
I would argue that the counterpoint to that is the final 30 seconds of the song. Uh, also where there true. Are some yes. very evocative sounds. Yes. And a, and a music video shot on film as opposed to video, which is what we had been used to for the most part, made it feel like you were watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. It made it feel like oh, this yeah. was a much yeah, it was cooler made by thing. Some alter. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. They, they, they had they had legit directors directing videos on film. Their first video yeah. for girls on film. All that we knew as kids in the eighties was that we weren't allowed to see the uncensored. There was version another version out film. there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can there we was talk another about version. The album cover. Yeah, and of course. if you want to talk peak 80s, Jeffy Brandon, thank you for bringing this up. And I'm going to throw the floor open to you for a minute right after this, too. Um, the album cover by noted uh, artist Patrick Nagel mm-hmm. yeah, is seriously. thought of as one of the greatest album covers of all time. It really depends on your taste. It's a matter well, of I also didn't know until <laughs> this week. It that is it the was, height of 80s art. I didn't know until this week that it was designed for the album cover. I, th- I thought it was a piece of art that he had created that they just bought for it, but it was presented to Duran Duran to choose, and I find that fascinating. I thought so that he had already crazy. been established. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a be- it's beautiful. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, kids, back in the day, there was a magazine kids. called Playboy, and Patrick Nagel's sexy line drawings of women, not, not especially revealing or anything, were an iconic part of that magazine and that 70s to 80s swinger lifestyle, which Duran Duran then appropriated onto the, the Rio thing. To me, it was straight up the straight lines, the, the sharp colors, the whole design was very 80s, was very much oh, saying, so it's we're inventing this decade. Color yeah. palette's very 80s. Totally. Uh, purple. And well, And to that point, I love this record as a kid. I never enjoyed it as much as I have in the past week. Like the past week made me realize I've enjoyed this record more than I've ever. I've did. never heard it with this kind of fidelity. First of all, that's the yes. thing. <laughs> right. When I was listening to it back then, it was like mono and like speakers that had like. You it was know, a TV speaker could, half could the time too. Could barely represent yeah. the human voice. Yes. You know, let alone <laughs> full instrumentation. So yeah, it was a completely different experience. Well, and I also remember even at the time thinking this felt because of the keyboards and whatnot. It felt a little. They're like unemotional, dare I say even robotic at times. Now that I know what robotic music sort of sounds like, like a machine, but I realized they're, they were just that tight of a band that it just had that tightness to it. Like it is live musicians yeah. for most of it. They're not and craft it play- work. No, it's not craft yeah. work, no. They're, they're live musicians that are super tight at, at and pop they're, music. they're way tighter than I thought. And this is an interesting thing. I, I think I told Jeffy this. I was driving my son around, and we play this game where I play a song, and then he plays a song. And since I was listening to Rio this week, I played him a song off of Rio. I'm not sure if it's Rio or Hungry Like the Wolf, but I played one of the hits for him. And he he kind of dug it. He's 14 now, and he, he dug it, and, he, and he's a drummer. He said, one thing is, that drummer has an amazing endurance. <laughs> and I said, yeah. what do you mean endurance? And he said, well, he's been playing double hi-hats the entire song. And I realized that that song, if you listen, that's, Duran Duran does that a lot. That dude yeah. is going the whole time. And he's doing that dovetailed with a 16th note synth loop pattern that right. has been generated that's, yeah. that's playing the whole time, too. My it's forearm this constant hurts momentum. when you talk about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's it's I get like a and, pain right here. And to me, what's so dramatic about all of this is the fact that these guys are from Birmingham, England, the home right. of Black Sabbath, of, of Judas Priest. Yeah, I was. That's, dark, that's a very doom, dark, over overcast and, industrial city. Yeah, and, and that's McKinnon the thing is Saunders, the best 
stop motion animation crew I've ever worked with. Okay, good right. to know. Fun fact. Good Shout to out But Jeff, and as long as you're talking, I want you to talk more because you know what? This music does have an Achilles heel besides the fact that much of it sounds alike. And, well, and you brought it up and I thought I yeah, thought I, you had a piece to speak about it. I, I do, and, and I think the best way for me to, to, to speak about it is to just speak. And so I'm just going to speak now. I'm going to speak some words. Sure. And, and let me speak, and, and then provide your opinion. Okay, go ahead. Speak. Here we go. <clears throat> oh, you're doing those actor warm-ups. Nice. Sibilance, sibilance. All right. I need she a reason. I can't think without one now too much learning got a show call it treason maybe catch or don't know how too many things too much to know bring my timing in seagulls gather on the wind lady screaming lady leave me out Is that some... from New Religion? Yes, it is, sir. And I don't love it. The, so <laughs> well, did, did, I got a question. I know you don't love the lyrics of Duran Duran. To me, they're in a sort of sweet spot where I don't think I've ever actually listened to a single word they've said, but they don't take me out of it. The lyrics aren't so bad that I don't notice what's ha- like. They're just in the right spot listen, of dumb. I don't enough listen that I'm to fine. lyrics, so here's my opinion. No, no, exactly. What I'm saying is, like, sometimes I do, but sometimes they're so bad I lose the song. This is the sweetest spot yeah. of it, just being just vague enough that I'm not even noticing them, but they might be terrible, but they're not so bad that I'm like, oh, and, this is terrible. And I, I was you back in the 80s when I really couldn't hear what was going on. <laughs> now that you, now fidelity has been the it, problem. It, yeah. it, the, the, the thing is, like, a, 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 a bit got flipped, and now I hear their lyrics. And it, it was <laughs> this week that it happened. It's uh-huh. not like I have a grudge, a, a multi-decade grudge against these lyrics, but this week... It was like, I'm picking out all the parts of this, and I can hear this in a weird... First of all, it's stereo. That's crazy. Right. And <laughs> But, but like, listening to all the details, it was like, yeah, I can, con- I can kind of concentrate on the lyrics. Wow, I wish I had never done that, was kind but, of my... But here, here's the thing, though. Going back to my point, the, the invention of the new romantic, and like Adam was saying, why this was a thing in England and maybe not over here is so they came from this really, you know, bleak working class, you know, dead end place. And what happened was to get their kicks, they would go to these clubs on the weekend, right. And have a party. And they started to create this scene where they dressed up, you know, crazily, right. And had these like dance club kind of nights and the lyrics are just fun and flippant. They're not supposed to have meaning. It's just to like get up and dance and, and have successful. a good time. You know, Brian, this right. is, you, you've, blown yeah. my, you've blown my mind here, actually, because yeah. as someone from a, a relatively bleak, overcast, industrial city yeah. myself, this record, and I didn't really think about them being from Birmingham, this record to me, and partially the videos, I got to escape to a world I thought I would never sort of see. Oh, and no. I, it took and that's... Yeah. 
And that's why they called it Rio. Yeah. They just came up with it as like a fanciful, this is like a crazy place to, Rio, Carnival, just getting out of the whole I thing. I 1,000% no, no, worked on it's me. Not Carnival. It, it 1,000% yeah. it affected me and made me realize that there was some big, exciting I, I world I was missing. I want to say two things. Number one, Kevin's exactly right. Um, They did. They manufactured a world of sexy, escapist glamour, and and they took you there. And I think they carried the '80s on their back into that place. Jungle glamour, not a place of high thought. Um, However, I do want to point out, Brian, it's not Rio de Janeiro. As as the lyrics, as the terrible lyrics of the chorus point out, (laughs) we're talking about that river that winds through the dusty land. And if you don't get it yet, he'll say it on the last part of the chorus. Oh, Rio, Rio, dance across the Rio Rio Grande. Grande. So there's no carnival happening there. They were, well, it's the carnival EP. And again, I think they were (laughs) maybe not so bright in terms of that because they they did name it Rio. I fall somewhere between all of you on this because I love the way those lyrics go. If we're sticking with Rio, there's the cherry ice cream smile. Yes. Which is great. Yeah. I love that line. And then he line. says, I suppose that's very nice. And I'm realizing oh, you have no idea what you're going to say there. But every <laughs> once in a while, they take a total face plant. You know, like every for every three imagistic lines that I can ignore, there's something like, you think you're something special and it looks like you're the best. Like, oh my I'm, God, that's, that doesn't sound good coming out of anybody's <laughs> mouth. Stuff that back in and then take it back out when it's you a know, lyric. After, after hearing uh, such gems as, girl, I'll make you feel okay, uh, this worked really well for me. That's a, that's a Paul Stanley lyric, by the oh, way. No, okay. and, I'm, and, I'm, and I always go, even go back to the Beatles where I'm like, I'm like, I love you, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something I love. But if someone else who was not the Beatles wrote that song, I'd be like, this is kind of dumb. And thereby, I, I will forgive certain things. Um, I think we need to take a moment to talk about uh, the saxophone solo, though, at the end of Rio. Because I got I to gotta talk about this, because sax solos in the 80s tended to be of that 50s throwback genre, like the heat is on shit. Like, like completely some sort of this, out of place. Completely. Yeah. And, and just sort of almost a nostalgia thing. And the yeah, Rio sax solo is attacking not part none of, it. of the people who were actually listening to it at the time. No, exactly. But made by people who had fond memories of this era. But Duran Duran has a sax solo, and I don't typically love sax solos, but it kicks ass. It's right in the middle of like Rio, and it seems modern. It seems like danceable. It's a pretty kick-ass thing that that people don't uh, think about enough. I feel like let's hear some of that solo right now. Why not? Yeah, With some of the some of the challenging lyrics around it. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, Adam. I've got an idea here, which is for me to read a little bit of Rio lyrics over the uh, sax solo. Look at that, did he nearly run you down? At the end of the drive, the lawmen arrive. You make me feel alive, alive, alive. I'll take my chance, because luck is on my side, or something. I'm on board. You're thinking, I'll tell you something, I know what you're thinking. Look, is it empty music? Yes. I, yes. I have a question, because for me, there was a... It was Hold Back the Rain was the song that I did not know that well that turned into my like highlight of the week. I didn't know if anyone has made any discoveries really? on this record that they didn't know because there's obvious hits. But there was a, an album track, which is Hold Back the Rain, that is now my favorite song off of Rio. I wow. didn't know that I loved uh, Save a Prayer as much as I did. But mm-hmm. every section of that, 
I don't, I'm not even sure they all fit together, but every <clears throat> section of that is interesting to me. I'll Save say this. this is and a- I do think that Duran Duran is one of those bands where their sound is going to be kind of the same, so they're only as good as their next hook. But there's an uncanny number of hooks on this album. Agreed. And, I, and there's a, an aspect of sequencing that I think is important, because if, say, The Chauffeur was track two, we would not be talking about this album today, right? There's certain songs that are good last songs that you're willing to like go through, and that's the chauffeur is a great way to wrap this up, and you escape to some other world. I escaped to Rio. I don't know which Rio it is. I didn't oh. even know what, what. I didn't even know I mean, what continent Rio was on. I just knew it was not where I was growing up. <laughs> is there a more perfect way to end the segment other than to play the end of this song? Perhaps not. the end of Hungry Like the Wolf. No, the end of um, the chauffeur. What, the chauffeur. chauffeur. Oh yeah, let's do it. Let's get the the, the, the back end let's of the chauffeur. Wrap this okay. up. That's nice. That's beautiful. I want to I want to add this on behalf of all of us uh, because I can see it in all of your eyes whether you think this is a great album or merely a good album. A message, a dad band message back to the 80s to Duran Duran. Sincerely, thank you. Agreed. DBL will be right back. Woo. Well done, Adam. <laughs> Look out! It's Dad Band Land. Hey, we're, we're back. back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh. We might have hit somebody there. Yeah, yeah, we might have. Let's keep driving, Jeffy. Just keep driving. Who's driving now? <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> it's Nobody's like, on nothing. It's like when you want me to talk, I won't. When no. you don't, I won't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Kevin Burke, yeah. you wanted to say something before we oh, went to Oh, no, before we presence. got it, uh, you know what, sincerity warning here, guys, sincerity warning, I'm about to become real sincere here. We, before we do mm. Hidden Treasures, last yeah. time we recorded, we did, we did, um, we did Guilty Pleasures, and, mm-hmm. and the next day after we did it, I, I was reminiscing, no one at home can see this on the podcast, but when, when I played The Touch by Stan Bush, the amount of glee and air drumming and cheering that was in what? Jeffy and Brian's face. Not not Adams, notably not Adams, but in Jeffy and Brian's <laughs> face was so was so fantastic. I was actually washing so dishes amazing. the next day. So pure. I, I started tearing up. It might have been the purest moment of my adult life was playing the touch and watching you two get as thrilled as I got. And it so I just so want to say good. what it what was a moment because it was so good. It's so good. These are these are difficult times and all of a sudden the touch ended up being really important. I didn't know how important it was till I played it. So I wish everyone hearing oh. this could know could see our faces at that time because it was I want to hear it again thrilled. right now. <laughs> it's it's my it's my favorite Stan Bush song. <laughs> By far. <laughs> I, I don't I like skip Dare. that one. I like Dare. Um <laughs> Yeah. Oh, thank Anyhow. you for sharing, Kevin. Yeah, I just, really wanted to, I just wanted to warn you that was awesome, and so I wish people Make could have sure seen that. Make sure Dare is on the playlist, Kyle, because <laughs> <laughs> I got to hear that. Oh, Dare's great. All right, we're gonna we're gonna go on to hidden treasures now, and maybe we'll find some other moments of that's of right. Some moments of. Although I feel like we I feel like we had a little of that with Duran Duran True. because no no matter how you feel about 
you know, is that album going to be on on the regular your album now? The, listening to it again this week was 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 a it real was, trip. It was I really enjoyed it. Agreed. In fact, I don't think I've ever actually missed being in high school, especially being young in high school. You know, like fifteen uh, before. I, I, there were things I liked about it, right? But well, that made me straight up nostalgic. And I and also. The, the future was endless, I feel like. There's something about that that's super positive for, yeah. for 46 minutes that suggests that good things are coming as opposed to a lot of things that we listen to now, which tells us that good things might not be coming. Well, also, that there, good was, things a, are over. there yeah. was a whole subculture that I was completely unaware of, which is that one of my black friends later on was, like, talking about the Durannies and, and how there was this, like, black... Durani subculture. And I what? was like, what? Yeah. yeah. You mean like the Mexican Morrissey subculture? I mean, I I not being familiar with that. You don't I know. can't I, wait, I, I don't want to do this <laughs> false equivalency thing, but sure. okay. um yes, there is a cadre of uh black Duran Duran fans. And uh it was a it was kind of a big deal. And I was like, it kind of made it okay wow. for me. To like Duran Duran, that's not really that, I needed, that is interesting. Not that we I might have touched on like between uh, that and Birmingham. But. Yeah, no, but dude, it helps to have a lift. I actually between <laughs> that and Birmingham and Pittsburgh, we might be onto something with this whole Duran Duran. I, thing I do. I'm, I'm it's going to, to bear further exploration. It could have easily have been this later. It could easily have been like one of the whitest things in the world. So it is glad to know that it's sort of transcended yet, a number of things. And yes, yet, and yet there is a yet. subculture of Black Duran Duran fans. Yeah, no, black I'm very Durantis. glad to hear that. That's really good. To I know. love it. All right, hidden treasures. Brian Frank, lay it on us. Okay. These are songs that, that they weren't hits, but probably should have been. Something that we don't know that, or, or didn't really appreciate enough. Tell us. So my uh, hidden treasure is from 1984. Um, and uh, it's a song called Somebody, which is one of the most earnest and beautiful and... Um, I know this song. Yeah. I don't know if I know And um, <laughs> just real love songs um, that I think I've ever heard. And it touches me so much. And so this song uh, is by Depeche Mode. It was on their album, Some Great Reward. Um, and it was the first song ever sung by Martin Gore. He only ever sang three songs in the band's history. Um, and I think the reason why maybe it was not as successful was because they had had two massive singles off this record before this song, which is People Are People and Master and Servant. So after those two songs, it's really hard to follow up, and especially when you go with the ballad. Mm-hmm. But guys, this thing is just Wow. Let's hear it. Up. Let's hear it. I I'll, I'll tell you after we hear some, but you just punched a big button with me. I'll tell you yeah, after I, we I'm hear it. Familiar. Play some somebody. I want somebody to share, share the rest of my life. Share my innermost thoughts, know my intimate details. Someone will stand by my side and give me support. And in return, she'll get my support. She will listen to me when I want to speak about the Okay, okay. 
Cut it, Kyle. Cut it, Kyle. I can't take it. Uh, <laughs> we should have yeah, given we should have given a sincerity warning on that. Actually, that we should have. Oh my <laughs> fucking I mean, god! I gotta so tell you, sincere. thank you. So yeah. great. My uh, my very first for serious girlfriend, uh, late in high school, uh, very first going to go to college, put that on a mixtape for me. Ooh, wow! I think it led off the mixtape. No, there was a wow. fun song, and then that. Um, so wow, you're going. Yeah, my, high, Debbie, school, my high school there, girlfriend introduced me to Depeche Mode. <laughs> oh, mm. I've never heard that. Was nice. master and that was master and servant. I've though. never heard that song in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. That is that is that is that, touching, that and that's good. the eighties. Let's um let's move to a completely different era. I'll go next. I always go last. Maybe I'll go yeah, second. Yeah, go next. Yeah. Do it. Um, do it. Here you go. This one's from a little more recent, uh, and I'm guessing that none of you have heard it. I think the album is from 2007. It's by, it's by a man named Mike Viola. The album is called Lurch. Mike Viola is a singer-songwriter who has never gotten to do he deserves. You might know him from the band The Candy Butchers which were a band of some note uh, years before that. He's also, the, he's written songs for movies and stuff. He just writes songs um, that make the whole world real good. sing. Real good. And his album Lurch, which is a pretty darn good album. Nobody's ever heard it. It starts with a two minute and 19 second song. We'll listen to the whole thing. I'll see if we leave the whole thing on the podcast. Let's hear maybe, maybe not. I've been wanting to make this the theme of a TV show for 10 years. What you're thinking, I am not who you thought of. Think of me when you wanna, maybe not who you wanted, maybe not, maybe I'm not sure. Maybe I got plans, maybe I'm not sure. I put my heart into it, never felt so sad, maybe I'm not sure. Am I not what you're thinking? I forgot something's missing, tripping out over nothing, nothing's clear, and I'm stumbling over here. Maybe I'm not sure, maybe I got plans, maybe I'm not sure, I put my heart in. Not, I am not. 
That was good. Two minutes and 19 seconds. I submit that if it was two minutes and 20 seconds, it would be too long. <laughs> I agree. That was well-constructed, <laughs> well constructed, totally in that Beatles-y, Monkeys-y like, zone that I love so much. That was great. Yeah, you know what? And I urge you to listen to it on your own because we're listening to it over Zoom right now. Sure. And if you could really hear those those sparkling guitars and stuff, you, you might like it even more. And the backing vocals are fantastic, too. There's mine. Or maybe That's not. That's a hidden treasure. Um, or maybe not. That's a hidden treasure. Mike Viola, check out the Candy Butchers. Check out his um, his uh, solo stuff. And he's still touring all the time. All right. That's cool. Uh, Jeffy Brannion. All right, here we go. So here, back to 1981. Mm. I'm just going to read you the composer list for this song, and you'll get it right at the end. But <laughs> Marauder. It, it, it kind of fits with the whole <laughs> novelty thing that we were talking that has come up a couple of times. But anyway, I love this song. Here we go. Carrie Crawford, Mark Giacomelli. What year are we? 1981, Jonathan Goldsmith, Frederick Moranis, and David Thomas. Oh, where's this? That's the Great White North! Yeah, Yeah, I know what it is. Let's go. Let's go, Kyle. Uh, Getty Lee is here from Rush. Uh, Hi, Getty. I'm Bob McKenzie. This is my brother, Doug. How's it going, Getty? Oh, it's going pretty good. Good day, eh? Good day. Good day. (laughs) <laughs> this is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. <laughs> How's it going? Man? <laughs> oh, beauty. Good day. Okay. Good day and welcome to our single. <laughs> I'm Bob McKenzie and this is my brother Doug. How's it going, eh? The thing is, the music is so oh, good. Yeah. They're talking over it, but it's really good. It's really yeah, catchy. No, there's, there's, that that's the weirdest really freaking cut. Yeah. 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 But it's I awesome. Am- Jeffy, it's so awesome. And I had played it for Laura, and I was like, this is a real thing. That actually happened. You may not be aware. Yeah. Well, it, it also perpetuated <laughs> and my belief. I that, that album. I'm not Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to that album nonstop for months and months it, and months. It perpetuated my belief as a, as a young person that there were like five famous people in Canada and they all knew each other, right? This idea that they, they were, were all on SCTV. They were all on SCTV or in Rush or in Triumph and then later Helix. Yeah. Or they played I saved, up, I, I saved up to buy my first color TV so I could watch those guys. Oh, man. And I David love that. Right? Yeah. So good. <laughs> SCTV is the best. Oh, that's fantastic, Jeffy. Thanks for bringing it to us. And Kevin yes. Burke, bring us home. Oh, right. Well, you're at my home already. I'm but. in your backyard tonight, but it... uh. So, uh, you know, I've made it pretty clear that I, uh, my, one of my sweet spots of music has always been the guitar rock and the R&B intersection, right? That's something that I love. I feel like a lot of guitarists don't know enough about R&B, and I feel like a lot of R&B producers, you know, don't think about the guitar enough, right? So there's not a ton of music that's in this space, but there's a 2006 record that I love by an artist named Van Hunt, and it was called On, On the Jungle Floor. And unfortunately, it's his last, I believe it's his last major label record, a great R&B meets rock record that kind of went under the radar, I suppose, at least as far as I could, I bought it. I don't know anyone else who bought it personally, but there's a, so I can pick any song. I recommend any song on this record, but there is, he does a cover of an old Iggy Pop song that he wrote with the Stooges called No Sense of Crime, which is a great original song, but he turned it into this almost like Stevie Wonderish, cool 
R&B, but modern R&B song that is so killer that I keep going back to it constantly. I wish I wish in the mid 2000s this had been a been a hit of some sort or at least played by somebody. Um, so let's take a sample. Let's take a listen to this, Kyle, please. Drop the needle, Kyle. Sense That's, of crime. Oh my lord! What, what I think you could have a good, successful lawsuit on your hands because who, <laughs> whoever you think this guy is, somebody was hooking up some electrodes to your brain while you slept. <laughs> this is like Purina Kevin <laughs> show no, right here. This lights up it's everything really that I know about you, from Prince to metal to to, to you know yeah. rock and roll right. to I'm backslide to D'Angelo, the Sly Stone. Yeah. Yeah. Pleasure centers just lit up. <laughs> No, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Van Hunt's got two two major label records. They're both great, but this one's especially great, and uh, I highly recommend you check him out. But that's a song that's just so well killer. done, sir. So killer. Well done. Ah, I got to tell Sweet. you guys. I got to do the. I got to do the hidden treasures crown. Yeah, I got to lay it on you guys. Oh, oh you're gonna crown somebody? Yeah, you did to. it last week. You did it last week. Yeah, and and I'm gonna All tell right. you that there's there, a clear winner. There is a clear winner. There is a clear winner. Yeah, it, it was close. It was going to be a tie no, again between Adam and Jeffy, because Adam literally took the words right out of my mouth with the you know the sparkly guitar, like just like how it develops. But I mean, I was fucking dying, Jeffy. That was hilarious. <laughs> I've never heard that before. You you went. Oh, you no, no. Take off. you got it. You got it. That's before. fucking oh. Getty Lee. What? That's, what? that's that's Kyle that's how I never heard the great white Norris. Oh <laughs> of course that was it my, is. I was like, "What? What album is that?" It's hilarious. Believe me, it's it's from an album called Great White North. I'm showing all my. I friends thought I was going to narrowly lose to Kevin, or possibly <laughs> narrowly lose to Brian. I yeah. Yeah. And I narrowly right. lost to you. <laughs> I love it, Kyle. Well, last week there were two. Thank you. For last that. week there were two winners. Also, mm. I just want you to know, I learned about I learned about Dr. John from SETV. SETV taught us me about too. certain artists. So, yeah. yeah. It's weird, or right? Michael McDonald, the greatest backup singer of all That's time. True, it, that that is true. <laughs> right, I'll, I'll wait. And on that, everybody, this has been a star-spangled, fantastic 
edition of Dad Band Land. We love you guys. Send us your questions, your comments. We're starting to get lots of email from you with suggested guilty pleasures and hidden treasures, and we love it. Keep it coming on all our socials and at dadbandland at gmail.com. Follow us on them socials. Dad Band Land is produced by me and by Jeffy Branion. The opening music mix mashup. We're going to name it. The mashup is by Jeffy. Editing and Starbridge production by the great Kyle McGraw. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. We'll see you next week. TBL, baby. TBL. A podcast network.